0: Now, one more time, because I'm going to preach for just a few minutes, but I want you to stand with me, and I want to direct your attention in the word of the Lord to the book of Genesis chapter number 18, Genesis chapter 18, and allow me just to give you a little insight into perhaps how the Lord would allow us to close out this service today. We'll follow the leading of the Spirit, but at the close of my message, I'm going to have the privilege of bringing these two families to the front of this sanctuary and dedicating Hazel... And Walker to the Lord on the heels of that dedication. I'm going to invite our entire church family to come forward around these families and we're going to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. I think this is a great opportunity for us to consecrate and to dedicate how many of you know the enemy wants to fight against families and will fight against families, but strong churches are built upon strong families. Amen. And so I feel it's very, very important what I preach today and how it is received by all of us. Now, I'm going to make some presumptions today. I know that's maybe a scary thing to do at times, but I need to. I need to make some presumptions when I preach on the family. First of all, I am presuming that we believe and accept that family is defined as one man and one woman married to each other And then as the Lord blesses with children, that's my presumption, because that's what the Bible teaches. Secondly, I am presuming today that there are no experts when it comes to families. (laughs) Look at someone and say, whew, I'm glad he said that. There are no experts when it comes to families, just those with experience. Thirdly, we need to learn to lean into the Word of God when it comes to raising a family. Not elevating human reasoning above that. Not elevating expertise of somebody else above God's design. But we must lean into the Word of God when it comes to families. And then fourthly, my presumption is that every one of us will have open hearts today to learn more amen don't be defensive today look at someone and say just just relax don't be defensive you say pastor why do you say that everybody look right up here I've pastored for a few years now there are few things that get as personal as when you start talking about people's families Oh, yeah. See, some of you are waiting for it to get anointed. It's anointed right now. You start preaching and talking and teaching about families, and it gets real personal. So my presumption is that today all of us will be open in our hearts to learn more, not be defensive, not live with the spirit of resignation. If you're here and you say, I've already raised my family and my kids didn't turn out well and they're not serving the Lord, don't get a spirit of resignation today. Don't throw your hands up and say it's over. If there's breath in their body, God can still work. God can still work. God can still work. Amen. So let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. Verse number 19, the Lord is speaking concerning this man, Abraham, and here's what this one verse says, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him the New Living translation of that same verse declares it like this I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just Then, everybody say then, then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. It's amazing to me that God chooses me and God chooses you to impact other people. He does not just choose us to give us a big head. He chooses us to impact other people. It's amazing to me that the direction that he desires me to take or you to teach is to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Now for every person in a family, which is all of us in this room, can I also tell you what God has promised for us involves how we lead our families. The destiny that God has for us individually involves how we lead our family so whether you are here with a whole passel full of kids or you are here and you don't have children or you are here and you're single today this message is going to minister to every single person under the sound of my voice because we all are a part of a family i want to preach on the family that god wants us to have the family that God wants us to have. Set your Bible down. Lift up your voice with me right now. Just declare God's blessing on this word right now. Would you do that? Would you lift up your voice? Jesus, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your presence today. We thank you for those that have come from all over this area and farther outside of this area. And I believe you brought us together for such a time as this right now to minister to one another to be ministered to by the word of God. I pray in the next few precious moments that you will equip us to have the family that you want us to have, Lord, that you designed for us to have, that you intended for us to have. And for that, we're going to thank you. We're going to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for following along in your Bible this morning. there exists few things more predictable and at the same time unpredictable as families. I'm going to say that one more time. In my experience, there exists few things in life more predictable and more unpredictable than families. Now, I don't expect us to jump over chairs and run aisles on that. You don't even know where I'm going yet. But there are some predictable things about families. Personality traits. Dads who are kind of quiet, and they have children, maybe multiple children, and one of them takes after dad and is kind of quiet. What is that? That's predictable. Any of us, you don't have to have a degree in psychology to figure that out. Personality traits many times are very predictable. Mannerisms are predictable. Everybody say mannerisms. Mannerisms. How many of you parents have ever been talking to your children, some of them grown children now, and they say something and they move their hand a certain way or their lip goes up a certain way? or it's some sort of mannerism that they make, and you don't say it to them, but inside you think, oh, that was me. Do I have a witness in the house? (laughs) Predictability. Facial features. What do we do? When we walk into the hospital room, when we're visiting the baby and the mom and dad right after the baby is born... We walk in, and whether we know what we're talking about or not, we say things like, oh, he's got your nose. (laughs) I love it when moms and dads, and I know I did this too, when moms and dads said, from here up, he's his dad. But from here down, he's his mom. I don't even know how to calculate that. I don't even know how to get my brain around that. There's things that are predictable, facial features. These are details that are governed by heredity, and they're very predictable. And then there's a lot of unpredictability in families, family gatherings where the black sheep is present. Most of the time, the black sheep self-identifies as the black sheep. You never know what they're going to do. You never know what they're going to say. You get done with the holidays and you walk out and you go, "Thank God it was civil this year." <laughs> you never know. It's it's unpredictable. Maybe a response or a decision that is seemingly out of nowhere in a family. It can happen and it does happen. Because families are unpredictable as well. Unpredictability, whereas predictability is governed by heredity, unpredictability is characteristics governed by the human will. As long as there is a human will, there will be the tendency for unpredictability. Predictable and unpredictable. You and I go in our Bibles to the first mention of the family, it's found in just the first few pages. Of Scripture, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and then Seth after Abel was killed. There are some powerful principles that we draw from Scripture in just the example of the first family. Everyone say the first family. First of all, everybody ready? Here we go. We're going to learn some stuff today. First of all, there is a principle that jumps off the page at me, and it ought to be good news for every unmarried person that desires to be married, and it is this. God brought a spouse to Adam. Testing, one, two, three. God brought a spouse to Adam. Adam. That word brought or made, one version says he fashioned a spouse for Adam. Let me make sure I'm clear today. Let me make sure for everybody that calls me pastor, you hear me loud and clear. As sure as the Bible is real and as sure as you and I are sitting here, God can still Fashion a spouse for someone. God can still bring someone into your life at exactly the right time. He can take them from across the country. He can take them from across town. He can re- put you together in ways that are beyond what you could happen to go to a certain conference or happen to go to a certain job, and your life intersect with the person that you will eventually spend the rest of your life with. If God did it for Adam, he can do it for you. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. God can bring a spouse at the right time. Secondly, multiplication is God's design. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, when the Lord makes male and female, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion. Multiplication is God's design. And so let me just bring it down to the micro right now, to Taylor and to Madison Thank you for following God's design. And having Walker, Jace, and Lexi, thank you. Multiplication is God's design. It was something that God spoke. Thirdly, and we can't miss this today, hurt is something that must be dealt with in a family. We don't have to go to three or four books into the Bible to find this to be true. Hurt Has to be dealt with in a family and hurt will come. Oh, yeah, disappointment will come, trouble will come, offense. Will come. Oh, not if it's a Holy Ghost filled family, not if it's a, a Christian family, not if it's an apostolic family. I, I don't know what planet you're on, but according to the Bible, the first family had trouble, the first family had hurt, the first family had. Help somebody right now look at somebody and say, Every family has issues. Would you please tell someone that right now? Come on, turn to two or three other people and encourage them right now. It says, every family has issues. The first family had issues. The first family dealt with hurt. The first family dealt with trouble. Cain saw that Abel's sacrifice in Genesis 4 was respected by God and accepted by God. But he saw that his sacrifice Was not received by God. It was not respected by God. So instead of handling things the wise way, the Bible says he was filled with wrath. He became very angry and his countenance fell. How many have ever been around someone and their countenance fell? By the way, this week, you may have license in this week to look at your kids and say, now listen, I don't like what's going on. Your countenance just fell. (laughs) He became angry, and instead of handling it in a wise way, he took it out on his brother, and he killed Abel. Which tells us very quickly that if that happens in the first family, I'm not talking about the murder, God forbid that, but in the, in, in the hurt that came in that family, if that happened in the first family, then we in our family is going to have to deal with this hurt issue. We're going to have to deal with what happens when things don't happen like we think they ought to happen. Now, how many of you are old enough to remember this song? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of god how many old old old-timers do we have here or kind of part-time old-timers do we have here (laughs) i've been washed in the fountain if you know it sing it cleansed by his blood joint heirs with jesus As we travel this sod. Now hang on before you finish. This is the only song I've ever heard in church that uses the word sod. That used to always amaze me when we would sing this at home. I'm a part of the family. The family of God. Here's what we need on Sunday morning when we talk about our families. We need the truth about our families. We need pastor to open up the Bible and say here's what the word of God says about the family. We got enough people espousing all sorts of craziness about the family and redefining what the family is and putting it up to a litmus to know the word of God. I preached for two weeks now. We need the word of God and we need the truth about our families come on come on I need the truth about how to be a husband I need the truth about how to be a daddy I need the truth about how you mamas ought to be a mama we need the truth about our kids we must have the truth about families we got to have it we got to have it so let me give you what I believe the Word of God says is the truth about the families here we go here we go number one in a healthy family, the kingdom of God is always in view. Now, I'm going to repeat a lot of stuff because I feel like it's that important. In, in, in a healthy family, everybody say a healthy family. The kingdom of God is always in view. In a family that wants to please God, in a family that is the family God wants us to have, we always have one eye on the kingdom. We always have one eye on the kingdom. We're asking ourselves, what's the kingdom impact of this decision? What's the kingdom impact of the way I'm responding? What is the kingdom of God saying about my family right now? We cannot separate ourselves from the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you will seek my kingdom, and you will seek my kingdom with everything inside of you. I'll give you what you don't have. I'll supply what you need, but you got to seek the kingdom. So the question has to be asked when we have the kingdom in view, what is the kingdom? What are the family roles correlating within the kingdom? Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 14 in verse number 7, and he declares it like this to the Roman believers, for none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Verse 8, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Skip down just a few verses to the 17th verse of Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. I want you to notice what Jesus declares. He says the kingdom of God. Everybody shout the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not meat and it's not drink. You know what that is? That's things that can be consumed. That's things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus says that's not what my kingdom's all about. It is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. That means I'm standing right before God. It is Peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost that is the satisfaction that comes through the Holy Spirit. Let me preach to parents here right now and declare to us, you want to live a kingdom life? You want to raise a kingdom family? Make righteousness a number one priority in your family. Kids, above everything else, we've got to be right with God. We've got to stand right before him. If I'm going to live with the kingdom in view, then I have to live a life of peace, not turmoil, not constant dysfunction, but peace. If I'm going to live in my family with the kingdom in view, then I must anchor to joy that only comes through the Holy Ghost satisfaction. How many have lived long enough for the Lord to know that there is some satisfaction that only comes through the Spirit of God? It doesn't come through a comedy. It doesn't come through a comedic set that's done. It doesn't come through humor. It comes joy that comes through the Holy Spirit. Joy that comes even though things might be topsy-turvy around me. There through the Spirit is a joy that he's got me and he's leading me and he's guiding me. So in a healthy family, the kingdom is always in view. In a healthy family, decisions are made with the kingdom in view. Amen. In a healthy family, decisions are never made simply by money. Now You you don't have to jump around. I'm going to preach whether you jump around or not today. In a healthy family with the kingdom in mind, with the kingdom in view, decisions are never made simply by geography. With the the kingdom in mind, decisions are never made just because a relative said to do it. And by the way, I don't have anybody in mind right now. I'm just trying to flow with what the Holy Ghost is saying right now. When I raise a family with the kingdom in mind, It's never based simply on my agenda or my prejudices or what's comfortable for me as a father or me as a... It is the kingdom of God. What is God saying about my family? What is God declaring about my children? I must raise a family, and I'm in this quest with you, to live with the kingdom in view. It affects decision-making. It affects habits. Everybody say the kingdom in view. In a healthy family, number two, there exists the sharing of personal responsibility in a healthy family. In a healthy family, it's not just up to the dad. I thought maybe the dads would give me a little more amen than that right there. In a healthy family, it's not just up to the mamas. And hear me right now, in a healthy family, it sure enough is not just up to the kids. That's not me bashing kids. That's me trying to preach the the truth right now about families. According to that Bible, in a healthy family, there exists the sharing of personal responsibility. Fathers and mothers are responsible to their families, to their children, but children are accountable to their mothers and their fathers. This is why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, provide for your family, fathers, especially for your own household. Because if you do not that, you if you don't do that, you are worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. You must provide for your family. That is a responsibility that you have for your family he went on to say fathers do not provoke your children to wrath one version says don't exasperate them to wrath and by the way Wednesday night I'm gonna continue this message It's gonna be a two-parter so don't miss Wednesday night. I have more to say about that on Wednesday night. But fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. That's your responsibility to your kids. Mothers, teach the younger ones in the way of the Lord that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Mamas, you have a responsibility to teach the younger ones. Children are responsible to honor and to obey their parents. Exodus 20 and 12, Honor, honoring parents is a command of the Lord. Colossians 3 and 20 says, Obey our parents because it pleases the Lord. In a healthy family, there is shared responsibility. Everybody say shared responsibility. Thirdly, in a healthy family, at first, raising kids involves more planting than reaping. And every parent that is finding this to be true, would you say amen? amen? In fact, our families are the ultimate planting ground. All right, let me help us a little more. In fact, most of what we plant in our children will not be seen quickly. But there's some parents in here right now saying, hurry. I'd like to see it before I pass. But the very nature of raising a family is propagating the future. I know I already referenced it. Where is Odin? Odin, where are you at? Come here. Come up here with Pastor again. You're getting double time on the platform today. Come on, come on, quick, run up here, bro. I know you got a lot of energy. (laughs) I'm just going to brag on Odin for just a second. So a little while ago, we walked into the prayer room, and we had a great season of prayer in there before we came out here, and there were elders there. Some of you elders that come in that prayer room, you bless me so much. I look at you, and and if you want to know what I think, I look at you, and I think, man, when I'm their age, I want to be doing the exact same thing they're doing right now. You bless me. And then there's middle aged folks like me, and then there's young adults that are there. And where's Ruby? Ruby, wave at me. Where are you at, Ruby? Come on, you come up here too. Come here, come here. And then I look over in prayer and I see Ruby. Come on up here with Pastor. She's over there and she's sitting on a little bench and she's crying out to the Lord. There's a, there's a prayer anointing on this young lady right here. Yes. Come here, sweetheart. There's a prayer anointing, there's an intercessory spirit on this girl right here. And then I look over and I see Odin. And, and he's praying. He's walking back and forth. And I love watching you pray. I wa- love watching you worship here in the service. Stay right here. Stay right here. But do you know what? You know what these young folks, you know where that came from? They didn't just wake up on Sunday morning and say, I think I'll pray today. No, th- this gal right here has grandparents who are showing her how to pray. And this guy right here has parents in this church that are walking back and forth in the prayer room. Come on, it may not show up quick. And there's a bunch of y'all I could call out and bring your kids up here. I'm not just specializing on these two. These are just a template of what's in this room right now. But folks, here's the thing. Most of what we put in our kids, it may not show up quick. You may not see them walking back and forth in the prayer room. But if your children, through your dedication, see a resolve to trust God with all of their heart... If your children rise up when they're in their 20s and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord just like my grandparents did or just like my parents did or maybe I'm carving it out for myself. Hey, we can see this happen in our children, but we got to commit to the planting process. We got to commit to the planting process. Come on, mama. Keep planting good seed. Come on, Daddy. Keep planting good seed. Put it in those kids. Put it in those grandkids. I'm proud of both of you. I want you to know that. Proud of the hand of God that's on both of your lives. You guys can go and be seated. In a healthy family, first of all, and more than likely, the seeds that are planted are not going to show results quickly and there will by virtue of just the nature of raising families be the necessity for more planting at first than the evidence of reaping number four a goal in a healthy family is to raise kids with a godly character I want to speak this over every family in this church. I want you to hear me. I'm going to lean on every bit of credibility I have as a pastor. Some of you are not part of this church. You can just listen and this be nice for you. But for everybody that calls me your pastor, listen right now. Our greatest pursuit, you're not not looking at someone that's a professional father. You're looking at someone that's in the battle with you. I'm raising my family just like you're raising your family. But according to that Bible... Our greatest pursuit should not be elevating the skills of our kids, but rather the godly character of our kids. Listen, skills can be taught, but character is implanted by the Holy Ghost. I want to say it again. Skills can be taught, Your kid may not know how to throw a baseball and it embarrass you, Dad, but if he knows how to pray and if he knows how to respond and not lash out, if he knows how to have his spirit governed by the Holy Ghost, you ought to thank God every day of your life that that character is inside of those kids. Listen, listen, listen. In a healthy family, this is the goal of raising kids for them to have godly character. <laughs> now, I'm going to share something with you that's not going to be popular, but I need to share it anyways. Character is best grown when trouble comes. <laughs> so please, 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 mom and dad, don't 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 come to this altar in a few minutes and say, "God, Let my daughter have godly character, but keep her from all trouble. Because more than likely, that's not going to happen. But we only develop true character when it's tested and when our kids have to choose what response to take. Everybody say, Godly character. Paul told the Galatians this church whom he planted in this region of Asia. He said, my little children for whom I labor in birth again. Unusual analogy for a man to use. But he said, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. That is the prayer for me as a father. Let my children have Christ formed in them let the character of God be in my children now I'm looking out across this congregation and I see some young kids and I see some teenagers and I see some young adults that are highly talented highly talented And I thank God for your talent. I thank God that God has enabled you and gifted you. But listen to Pastor right now. Please don't fall for the lie that that's what matters most. What matters most is that Christ's character would be formed inside of us. Finally, number five. The fruit of the Spirit should be our family's goal. The fruit of the Spirit. Paul said there's a bunch of works of the flesh, they're manifest. That that happens, you don't even have to try. The, the flesh just manifests a bunch of rottenness. Right. But the fruit of the spirit is a commitment to the implanted spirit of God. And it produces, everybody say it produces. It produces. Love. Joy peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's the goal for my family? The goal for my family is that the fruit of the Spirit would be exhibited through our lives, that that will be what comes from my life and the spirit of our family. And it comes through the Spirit, folks. It comes fr- do we understand that today? It comes as a result of the Spirit. It doesn't come because we show up at church. It comes through a yielding of our lives to the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me ask a question before I close today. How are we doing in our families with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? What areas need to be improved in our families, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that in a healthy family is the goal. I'm preaching about the family that God wants us to have. I want you to stand with me, please.